Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I am very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Lori Owens. Lori is the Director of Medical Billing Education for DevDent. She brings 18 years of experience educating dental practices on billing, medical insurance for dentistry, and the techniques to get claims paid. Through on-site training, medical billing for dentistry courses, follow-up consulting, along with Seattle Study Club, ACT Dental, and ADOM lectures, Lori has assisted dental practices in successfully billing medical insurance to collect benefits that would have otherwise been unclaimed. Her training on medical billing has increased practice revenue and patient satisfaction. In addition to training offices, Lori also does medical billing for at least four dental offices. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Ms. Lori Owens. Lori, I'm so excited to finally get a chance to have some moments to talk with you. It's been a little bit of a struggle. You yourself have had scheduling conflicts and COVID-19 has not been kind to you during this last few months. So I'm so sorry to hear about all of that, but glad to see that you're feeling healthy and you're back to work and all of the things that you have loved and especially love to see your post with your husband finally and catching up with him. So if you could share with our audience how you got into dentistry and what you've been doing in the field of dentistry these past few years, and then what it's been like to live this life that you have created, actually, that you get to still work from home. And, you know, it's a great thing that it really didn't impact you COVID-wise because you can work from anywhere. That is true. I got into dentistry by really happenstance. I was working at my church, realized I'm getting older and have no retirement because they don't have retirement in a church. And so I started looking for a job and Dr. Michael Cohen founded Seattle Study Clubs. They were looking for somebody to work at the practice. And I did some research on the doctors, Dr. Cohen and Dr. Gottlieb, and thought, I'd like to work with these guys. They they seem like they just are are looking out not for what's their best interest, but for what their patients. And so I walked into my interview with a folder on each of them. And I think that impressed Dr. Cohen enough that somebody coming from no dental experience at all to wanting to learn. I bought books on Amazon for dental assisting and dental front office, and I read them on my own. My first CE class was on bacteremia for hygiene. And I sat with one of our hygienists and I said, if we're making people sick, how can this be a dental insurance issue? And she said, that's a good question, I don't know. From there, I went to my bonus daughter, who I got due to a dental happenstance. Again, I was literally counting my teeth with my tongue on the way home every night. And Howard called me one night on a Friday late afternoon and said, I have a toothache. What do I do? And of course, you know, I don't know much about dentistry. I said, go to the dentist. And he said, you don't understand. I only have medical insurance. I don't have dental what do I do now? And I didn't know what to say. 
And so I said, Howard, all I know is that if it hurts now, it's worse than you think. And so you need to go right away. And he said, but if I pay a dentist, I'm taking food out of my daughter's mouth. And I didn't know what to do. And so I said, you know, Howard, all I know is you got to go to a dentist. So we hung up the phone that Friday night. By Sunday morning at 9 a.m., his daughter called and asked my husband and I to go to the hospital. We got there and, and by noon, Howard was dead. He had an infection in number 30 that went into his ear, that went into his brain and shut down his organs, turned him septic. My heart sunk and I thought, somebody should have helped him. Somebody should have helped him. He had an infection that's not dental. Infections are not dental. And I, I, I still, it's still hard to talk about, but so I, I just knew something ate at me between the bacteremia, between Howard, something is wrong in what we do in dentistry that, that we can help on a different plane. Not that what we're doing is wrong and not that dental insurance is bad, but there's something else that we needed to access. So I went to my doctors and I said, look, there's something with medical, with what we're doing. I wanna look at it. I wanna be able to help our patients because we don't do a $500 procedure. It's more like 50,000. Right. and 60,000 and 83,000. And there's got to be something that we can do because I don't have that in my back pocket. I can't imagine a lot of people do. And the doctor said, you know, because we were a, a super, super busy practice, they were not against it, but I had to do it at home. And I said, I don't care. As long as you know what I'm doing, that's all I cared about. And I paid for all of it myself, all the training, Everything that I did, I paid for myself, not because they wouldn't have. I think if I would have brought it to them, they would have paid for it. But I wanted to learn it. I paid a guy $100 to look at four claims that I would fax him to see what I got wrong. And so he worked with me and I read everything that I could possibly read. And then we started seeing money come in. And Dr. Gottlieb said, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know what you mean. And because I thought I was in trouble. And he said, we have a lot of money in the bank. And I said, yeah, we're getting paid for medical. And he said, that's really a thing. <laughs> and I said, yes, remember I told you that's what I was going to do. But he didn't really realize how much of a thing it was until we started actually seeing come into the practice. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be with every case, but there are going to be some that are applicable like that. And so can you imagine how much you can help the health of your patient by helping the oral cavity get back to health? So it was just an amazing thing that we started to see our patients' health, our type one and type two diabetics go from out of control A1Cs to under seven A1Cs by only working in the oral cavity. It was amazing. And so from that, it just spurred on. And when Dr. Cohen and Gottlieb retired, they said that would be the great segue for me to move out of a practice and work with other places at home to try to see, you know, how I could help them. And it's been remarkable. I've had such a good time. But what I tell people is I still medical bill. I have six offices that I do myself because I don't want to teach something I won't do. So I never want you to think that just because I'm not in a practice, I am not working with a practice, 
actively billing for their patients. So that's my story. That is incredible. So how did you teach yourself? Like, there's not a lot about coding out there. I mean, I know because I look at it now and I'm paying more attention to it. It's not something that was always high on my radar screen, but I realized we're not getting paid what we deserve. And so what I did was I became a certified professional biller and a certified professional coder with the AAPC, the American Association of Professional Coding, and it's full body, it's full anatomy. So I'm getting ready to take in December my uh, certification for certified outpatient coding, which I wanted to do to help my oral surgery offices that had an ASC facility, wanted to be able to for them to be able to get the facility fees on top of the professional fees. So I'll be taking that uh, certificate. I've passed the course, but I take the certification December 12th. So, you know, learning all that, not just about the oral cavity, although the oral cavity is included, already knowing the dental procedures, because I did the dental insurance for the doctors also. So knowing the two and then come just meshing the two together. Finding out that, you know, when you look at your medical coding, you have to come across the, the procedure that best fits the service and the location that's provided. And if you don't do as much as the service is, there's a modifier to explain that you didn't do all of that the service includes. So I love that part because I can tell them, hey, we did a, a CBCT, but we only took it. Nobody read it. So I can do that with the modifier. And so that's what I love about medical coding because you can explain the procedure without writing a narrative. That is crazy to me. I haven't written a narrative and I don't even know how long because the codes and the modifiers explain what you do. So it's really cool. Barry, now that we don't have modifiers in dental coding, correct? No, we don't. Which it would be nice if we did. I just remember being at the perio practice and doing a case for a crown lengthening procedure and literally have to write a narrative, do a letter of necessity. You'd have to do pre-op, post-op images, full arch images, intraoral photos, and then they deny it for aesthetic. And it's so frustrating because everything states that it's clinical. And no matter what you say, they deny it for aesthetic. Whereas I go to the medical side and if you can show you removed bone, if you can show you removed tissue, they're good with it. Just making sure our notes are up to standard, talking about the removal of bone, talk about the removal of tissue and how it will improve this patient's health. That's what medical wants to know. Now, I, I say that to say this because I don't want people to think that every case is a medical billing case because you have to have that why. Why does what you do Will that make them healthier? Will it improve the quality of life that they have for their physical capabilities? That's what I want people to think. What's the why? That's great. Great feedback. Now, why hasn't dental billing kept up with medical billing? Why is it that we, you know, because I know Snow Dent is doing more with the diagnosis and trying to fine tune our treatment planning and exactly what we're doing, but it has not made the kind of headway that I expected uh, initially. So I think that part of it is it's, it's scary. 
you know, I totally understand that it is scary. It is, they don't know what to expect. They don't know what to tell the patients to expect. And I tell every office, you tell the patient what you know. You know what dental insurance covers. You know how much they have left. That's what you tell them. As a courtesy, we're going to maximize any benefits we can through your medical. Because if the patient, if you give the patient an expectation of a dollar amount, they're going to try to hold you to it. There is no reason you should have to do that. They should understand you're doing this as a courtesy to maximize any and all benefits. And within that, I think that's why the progression has not been made. It's getting there. It, it truly is getting there. I mean, dental wants diagnosis codes now, but most people don't even know that it's part of the ADA claim form. I mean, and I feel bad because I know the ADA is trying to put out that this is important for them to know what you've diagnosed this patient with. And I think in the end, I think in five years, I think it's really going to be very cohesive that it could be either a dental claim or a medical claim because you're utilizing the same factors and diagnosis. I always tell people my diagnosis codes tell a story. The first code is what I treated or what the doctor treated. And then all the way back to when they first came into the practice, it's going to tell the story. They came in in pain. We saw that they had an abscess. We treated it with this. That's the story. It's just that your ending is your first code. That's really all it is. And if, if you can tell your story both ways, like, how did you treat it? We treated it with a flat procedure and clean out because of an infection due to pain. It makes sense both ways. And when you do that, you have a great story and it's going to go far. It, you, your claim will be allowed. It's just a matter of what the policy says for deductibles and things like that. That's something you can't predict. So I don't ever want an office to predict something they don't know. So tell us a little bit about your business side. Are you in business by yourself or do you, do you teach others to do what you do and then they work for you? Yeah, well, what I do is, um, so I'm the director of medical billing education for DevDent. We actually created a software for dentistry. And so this software bills the medical for you and does all your follow-up. So you will be able to get real-time up to date, what's going on with this medical claim, but we are not, we don't know the patient. So we guide you through coding it. Uh -huh. You put your D6010 in, it'll tell you, is it one to three implants for a medical code of 21248 or four or more implants for a medical code of 21249? So you can choose which one applies to this specific patient, which is really cool because then you don't need to know all the medical codes. You put your dental code in and we're gonna tell you which one and which one applies to what you did for this patient. And then we're gonna tell you what is what primary diagnosis code range should you be looking in? Should you be looking in for a partial loss of teeth? And we're gonna give you all the scenarios of why. Partial loss of teeth due to caries, perio, trauma, or other. So we guide you into what primary diagnosis code you need. And from there, you can choose what the additionals would be. Now, we do have the online course, so you can do an online. My favorite is in-person courses because I can see if you get it. I, and people say, well, that's kind of weird, but, but I trust me, you can see that light bulb. And I love that because if I didn't get 
if I didn't get the light bulb on, I want to make sure to go back over that because I don't want you to leave and say, I, I don't know what she said. I want to make sure you get it. So to me, I love online. Uh, online is great if that's, you know, I had one lady who's a mother of seven and she wanted to learn coding, but she couldn't leave her kids. She couldn't find a sitter. Totally understood. That's why we did the online course because it's the same as a two day, but you know, when you're at a live course, you get that interaction. So they actually created a way that you can schedule an expert call with me during the, you know, when you're in the online course so that you can get those questions answered whenever it's convenient for you. It just gives you access to my schedule so that you can create it whenever it works. And we wanted to do that so that you wouldn't hold those questions and have it hang you up on, on wanting to medical bill. Whether it be through us or on your own or through a portal, we really don't care. We just want you to do it. You know, it's not that we're all that in a bag of chips. You have to find what's best for your practice. And if that's you doing it, then we're going to help you guide you through you doing it. So either way, we want to make sure, you know, there's some offices that are so super busy. That's why I'm their biller because <laughs> so busy that they just can't. So they have a list of everything I need from them in order to do the bill. If I don't get what's on that list, I can't do your billing because it's not fair to you and it's not fair to me. I'm not billing something for a fee that you didn't tell me is on your ledger. So you present them with a checklist of items that they need to get pulled together in order to ship that bill to you for your billing processes. Okay. Yep. Because I, you know, fees, I can, I'm not making up fees. I, don't tell me that, oh, we're charged this. Nope. I want to see it on your ledger because the last thing you need is an audit called on you because you have one fee on your ledger and one fee on your claim. Not going to do it. So you send me the ledger and I see what you build out on their ledger. That's what I'm billing out to the insurance. And if you make an error, I'm still billing what you have on your ledger. Not going to change that. Jail is not worth anybody. <laughs> no, I agree with you 100%. So this field has grown quite a bit, right? Over the last 10 to 15 years, I would imagine. It has. And I, I mean, what people don't realize is that, you know, MJ, if you have, a, if you have a rampant carries, and you have xerostomia because you're on this long-term medication, whether it be, I always say all the anti-medications are usually causing xerostomia, anti-anxiety, anti-epileptic, all the anti-medications. And medical has codes for dental caries on the smooth surface into the dentin, into the pulp, into the enamel. They just wanna know the two surfaces, pit and fissure or smooth surface. And then where is it going into? And then give them the why. We've had those covered. We just have to have those that verbiage in your notes so that you can code it um, because that's what they're looking for. Pit and Fisher, smooth surface, and it gets paid because if it hadn't been for the xerostomia, the caries wouldn't have come about. Now, one area of caries, I'm gonna tell you that's not medical billing. You, do, you have to do one filling. I'm sorry, but that's not medical billing. If you have to do 15 of them, there's something going on. And you should, as a provider, want to know. That doesn't normally happen after a six-month exam. And I can even reflect back on a, a young woman as a patient in my private practice that I recall, who every time I turned around, she had new decay. 
and we had her on a three month checkup. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, she wasn't being 100% honest. And what I did realize is that, you know, she had a drug addiction and she was, you know, partaking in things that were unhealthy for her mouth and her gums. And that's why she was falling apart. You know, so many things like this, while we as healthcare providers understand the dental side of things, we don't often understand the ramifications and the behavior side of things. And I think that that's where we need to have better education is, is on the behavioral side of things. I think obviously this was, you know, 15 plus years ago, as I've, I've been at Tufts for eight years now, but you know, 15 or more years ago, and so much has changed now with the opioid addiction, you know, issues that we have, and there's more education out there, more understanding of these behavior mechanics. So I think that our compatriots and colleagues are, are so much better trained today than, than even I was 15 years ago. So I do think it's getting better, but I do think that there, there was a, there's a shortfall there. If you don't understand this aspect of things, you really have to get more training. Right. And that, I mean, it's, you know, we talked a little er bit earlier, you and I about, you know, uh, women in this field. And I think, it, I, you know, as I was thinking about that question, I was thinking, I think it's because women are, are like the heart of, of everything they do. And within that, they are more investigational, you know, when it comes to kids or, you know, even, even your pets, you figure out what happened so that it doesn't happen again. And whether it's the dog, one of my coworkers, her dog is eating the knobs on her entertainment center. So she's got to figure out, right, so how to prevent that. And it goes the same way with your kids. You figure out how to not get them in that wrong pathway. But medical billing is the same way. And I think that's why there's so many more women medical billers, because that's the heart. And they're, because of the heart, they're investigational. And they're wanting to look at what's that why? Okay, is that, but that doesn't really fit. So we need to come over here. And whereas men are like, just get it done. <laughs> and, and that's my husband. My husband, I sometimes have to say, just listen, don't fix it. it. Because that's how they are. Whereas we deduce more about, okay, this is what the doctor said. And this matches what the doctor said. This can be used because that's what the doctor said. And that's why I believe there's so many more women. I'm in a, I'm in a study group and, and we all, you know, I think out of the 300 of us, there's one guy. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And that's for the uh, COC certification, but you know, he's great. Although he, he still struggles with the verbiage. Mm -hmm. And I think women handle the verbiage of clinical better. I think men do it. They think they do it better. <laughs> Let's say that they think they do it better, but women understand the application of it better. And so that's why I believe there are more medical coders that are women than there are men. So for anyone that might be listening, I apologize for interrupting, but for anyone that might be listening, who might want to segue out of clinical hygiene, clinical dentistry, maybe dental assisting. And, you know, there may be some dentists out there that, you know, have realized that it's much more important to be at home with the kids and they want to go down this path. Just help us walk through, you know, what it is that they can do to start learning and pursuing a certification. 
Absolutely. So I would say, uh, so there's a couple of avenues, but I, I try to do, I go the least expensive to start because you don't want to put a whole bunch of money into something that you decide is not really for you. So that's, that's why I always start with the cheaper aspect. So I would say do the online course because it's $6.99. If you were to do an AAPC course, it's over three grand. So I would want to, if you can do my course and say, I like everything, I, that sounds good. I, I understand that because believe it or not, it is easier to get into medical billing when you've been in dentistry than to be a medical biller coming into dentistry. The medical biller coming into dentistry does not understand. It takes them twice as long to get it because they don't understand the procedures and they don't understand the flow. You can ask any medical biller that came into dentistry. It was harder to do. Whereas it, for me, it was such a natural transition that I can actually, before I used to have to really concentrate on medical. Now I can switch back and forth with no problem. I have no problem doing a D6010 to 21248. So because your mind works that way now. Yes. And, and it's because, you know, because I immersed myself in the knowledge and the education of it. If you looked on my table right now, I have a lazy Susan with my code books on it so I can flip it around at any time. So, but that's me that I like to do that. Not because I have to, I don't have to be a certified professional coder. I don't have to be a certified outpatient coder. I want people to know I'm serious. It's not that I took this lightly. I believe the oral cavity has such oral systemic relationship and that our patients should be getting some kind of help with that insurance base. And if you believe that, it's that determination that can drive you and propel whatever you want to do. We need more people in this field. Yeah. I mean, we do. I, I tell people all the time, I, I'm not young. I have five grandchildren and uh, I'm not young, but you know, I want to make sure somebody loves it, loves to help the people that they work with. I got so excited for my Florida office to just tell them they could call their patient and tell them how much they got reimbursed. That to me was exciting. And when I was at the practice, I used to share that joy with my teammates and let them call. And one of my teammates said, now I know why you do it because that phone call was amazing. And that's what it's about. It's not promising, but working your best to get them that reimbursement. And I really think that it's, you know, I know we talked earlier about be, having the drive. And I think I was, a driven child. I was one that didn't, you know, if you told me to do something, I didn't wait until you got mad at me. I just wanted it done. And I still am like that. Um, the doctors used to always give me a project and I got it done as soon as possible because they're, and they're like, well, why'd you have, why you, I didn't need it right away. And I said, well, if you give me a project, then there's a reason why you gave it to me. And I want to do it as soon as I can. And so that's my philosophy. And that's my philosophy even now when I'm working with people. And if you ask me a question, either through email, mail, text, I'm going to answer you as soon as I can. I don't go to sleep with emails unread in my email box. That's me. It's not anybody else's me. I think that if, you know, I look at my family and I'm the only one like this. So it can't be 
You know, you know what I mean? I can't be something that all of us had. I'm the only one that is doing anything. Every two of my siblings live at home and they're in their forties. And, you know, one of the, one of the reasons that I was in medical billing for dentistry is my brother lost both of his legs before he was 55 from type two diabetes because he had an A1C of 13 that nobody caught. So my whole premise was I went on to an HbA1c. Why are we not doing this in the dental office? We're taking teeth out. We're not even worried about, he has a family history, nobody asked. And so I go back to why they're available for you to buy on Amazon, come on. You can buy the kits on Amazon. It's $200 for 20 tests. Whereas you might hurt yourself as a practice and a provider and the patient could have something that you could have helped. Now, are you involved in the coding process at the ADA? No, I've thought about it though. I thought about submitting some stuff. I truly have. In fact, I actually think I started some things to submit and just kind of started another rabbit trail, I think. But it sounds like that might be a good fit for you because, you you know, you're like a dog with a bone, right? You're perfect for dentistry because you've got that focus, that laser focus that is so critical when we are treating cases or planning things or even doing a big case. When I go to work on something, you know, a bomb could go off behind me and I, I wouldn't hear anything because I was so I was so focused on on working on the teeth that I was working on, especially if I was doing a full mouth reconstruction. So my team knew, you know, don't bother because she's in the flow, right? There was never any interruptions. I never scheduled any other patients because I found it was very distracted for me to have to get up in the middle of my flow and go to see a hygiene patient. So I would always book it off time. But I, that's why I think you'd be really good at, at the coding piece at the ADA. I'll have, to, I'll have to reach out. I did write a couple articles for the ADA. I'm not sure if they've come out yet. Um, I'm working on one about Medicare on a, for a webinar in December that I'm going to do because I think there's so much confusion between dentistry and Medicare at this point. I just kind of want to clear it up. So I'm working on that. That'll be December 10th. So if, if people want to look at, you know, what, what's going on between uh, Medicare, Part B, DME, and uh, the Advantage and Supplement plans, that's really what I'm going through. And making sure if you're not going to be a Medicare provider, what you have to do to be able to build that Advantage plan. Oh, make sure that you let me know about that, because I'd really like to um, broadcast that, that out to my audience for sure. And I just think it's, you know, I was talking with my, my cohort and she's like, yeah, I think, the, I think you really got to get on the ball on that because the, it, nobody understands it. And I don't like it, but I understand it because part of being a professional biller is all law. It's all what CMS has dictated. And um, as much as I don't like it, I know it's really a necessity in, in where we live. And they're really, they're really brad- branching out within Medicare that I think we really need to look at it a little bit closer in from dentistry aspect. I know it's not anything anybody wants to get involved with, but I think the changes they're trying to bring about are beneficial for dentistry. Well, you know, one of the things you were, you had brought up earlier really strikes struck a chord with me because one of the things that I, I know is coming and I have been working very hard at Tufts to set up a QAQI process 
to evaluate our outcomes. It's not always greeted warmly when you do things like that because nobody wants to be judged. Nobody wants you looking at anything, even if everything is double blind and nobody knows the behind the scenes except for the analysts. But the bottom line is everything is going to be paid outcome-based at some point, just like medicine is. I know it's coming to dentistry and it's time we started getting our ducks in a row and started paying attention to that so that we can start really educating each other and educating our staff on what needs to be put in place before it's getting forced on And those diagnosis codes are coming too to dentistry. As much as I know they people avoid them and you cannot use an unspecified code. A lot of people think, oh, I'll just use uns. You can't use unspecified. Please, please, please don't. You will be in trouble. <laughs> it's not allowed in ICD coding. You can't use unspecified when you have the code. So if, so say for instance, your TMJ, they want to know right, left, bilateral. It's that simple. Just make the note, right, left, bilateral. You will save your staff so much time trying to figure out what you're talking about. That comes back to the notes also, right? So, you know, the training for, uh, you know, and I, I, we can do as much training in the, the educational system as, as we, we have, we have the time to put in. But the bottom line is, if you graduate and you don't continue on with that training and continue on with the specifics in your notes, this is where it, it, it's going to haunt you. Yes, because what they're doing is they're in school and they're writing these fabulous notes, fabulous notes. And they get out and get into private practice and they start text messaging. I had, here's what one doctor wrote out of school. X dash SRP dash I hopeless nine. That was my note. I about lost it. I couldn't believe. And you know what I say to most people, if I said, what's SRP mean to you? Scaling and root planning. Not at our practice. It was socket retention procedure. Wow. So do you see how misconstrued that one little note could be? And he thought it was fine. And I said, no. I said, that's a text message. That's not a clinical medical record. You have to say what happened to make it hopeless. I wish they could all carry through with their notes because I know they're fabulous. I've read them. And they're great notes, and they're exactly what you need for medical billing and dentistry. Unbelievable. So let's, let's transition a little bit into some more personal questions. Along your journey, you know, people inspire us. And, and what's the single best piece of advice you've ever received and from whom? My grandfather said, uh, it still haunts me kind of because I, I didn't take his advice at first, and then I learned my big lesson. It said, he said, love them all, trust a few, learn to paddle your own canoe. Ah, very good. So if you think, so I'm from Hawaii, I'm Hawaiian Japanese. And, you know, I think about that now and, you know, I loved them all, but I didn't only trust a few. I trusted way too many people in my career and it hurt me. It didn't hurt me as in, it hurt me emotionally because they kind of took advantage of my love of medical billing for dentistry. And so that, you know, I learned over the years that I take that advice to heart now. I still trust people, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna broaden that scope unless I see some good productivity from it. If I see good productivity from it, I'm gonna help anybody I can help. 
but you're going to have to, it, it's not, it's not a, I give, I give, I give, you're going to have to do something with it. And so that's the advice that I take to heart is that I'm going to be able to paddle my own canoe out of here. If you're not going to work towards getting this done, you know, it goes back to Linda Miles told me that you don't, don't dwell. You know, you can't stay in that dwelling zone because all it's going to do is consume you. And so as much as I want people to do medical billing for dentistry, I can't dwell with the person that won't move. And I can provide as much guidance and periodic contact, but I can't dwell there. If I do, then it's going to stop me from being effective for other people. You have to show action, right? You have to show forward movement. You can give people tools. You can give people the education, but you can't make them do anything with it. Exactly. But that's hard for me because I want to help. I want to, I, what do I need to get you going? What do I, and I have, I had to let go of those. It still was a hard lesson to learn that I wasn't going to propel everybody to, to do things. And I, and I don't like it, but I know it exists and, and I have to be okay letting go of it, but that's still hard for me to do. Absolutely. Now, do you think it was your grandfather who had the biggest impact on your life? You know, it was my grandmother. <laughs> she, so my grandfather was Hawaiian, big, big guy, six, six, five, six, six. And my grandma was five foot <laughs> oh my. and she's hundred percent Japanese. She, taught me the rigid rigidness of work and that when you work you work you know and you don't you make sure you are you work the amount that you're paid for does that make sense so even though I was salaried and I didn't have to keep track of my hours and I don't now and I still do because I'm not gonna get paid for something I didn't work for and so for me that's important it her lessons on being devoted and showing up and being present were, were big for me because I want to make sure that I show up, that I'm present. Being sick is horrible for me because I can't help people and I hate that. And I want to, and you know, like I'm laying on the couch texting people to make sure that they have what they need uh, because I don't, it's not that I don't want to be out of the game. I just don't want them to feel abandoned. I don't want them to feel like they don't have anybody that's supporting what they need to get done. And so my grandma, I mean, she worked until she was uh, 78 years old. She was a housekeeper at a hotel in downtown Honolulu. And she took the bus every day because she didn't drive. She took the bus every day downtown Honolulu over by the Ilikai. And she was in charge of cleaning all the hotel rooms and putting all the housekeepers where they needed to be to get the hotels clean. But you're talking 78 years old at five foot and probably 130 pounds if she was soaking wet and carrying all those bundles of laundry. It just taught me that you can be, de it, you are as, as effective as you are determined to do so. And so you know, this little old lady is carrying this like. I don't even know how, how heavy it was, but I remember going to see her and watching her and going, she's just determined to get it done. And I thought, 
I've got to be like that. I've got to be determined to get it done. And I might not like it. I don't think she liked, you know, scrubbing toilets all the time, but she knew the the job was hers. It was her responsibility. And she took it to heart and made sure to get the job done. And that, that would be my biggest, you know, role model. Kind of bad though, because we don't vacation in Hawaii, you know, nobody takes vacation. If you take vacation, you do it to work on your house. And one time she took vacation, she's out in her backyard with a fork, pulling up all the grass by hand. Oh my goodness, how come? Because she didn't have anything else to do. Oh my goodness. And she wanted new grass. And I said, Grandma, they have tools for that. And she said, yeah, I know, but I got a fork. And I was like, I mean, the vision in my head of her in the grass, pulling it up with a fork, it will stay with me forever. Because she just knew that she wanted to work. She wanted to do what she could do the best way she could figure out to do it. I have a funny story that that you just reminded me of. My grandmother would take all the dishes out of her cabinets if she had nothing to do and wash them all. Every single one of them. She would iron the sheets if she had nothing to do. And that that goes back to... I believe that if we could instill that type of work, a lot of people now are in, they're looking for people. They're looking to hire people. And I tell them to go to the department store, find somebody that's good at customer service and teach them dentistry. I didn't know dentistry, but I had a desire to do so. And I had the cust. I can be friendly. I can be loving and, but, Teach me the dentistry the way you want me to learn it. And I'm going to put forth everything I have to make sure that what you want happens. We had the best employees from Nordstrom. I mean, truly, we did. Our team, we just quit looking in dentistry because either they bring their own views of how their other practice used to do it, or they bring their attitude, which I'm better, you know, I know more. You know, and I'm not saying that not, I mean, there are a lot of people in dentistry that are just open books and say, I know how to do this. How would you like it done? And I know there are those, but right now for your front desk and you're struggling, get somebody with customer service and teach them dentistry because you are wasting time in wanting that perfect person that knows everything about dentistry rather than showing them what you need them to learn. I feel like I won the lottery when Dr. Cohen picked me to work at the practice. I truly do because it was, I mean, 15 years I was able to spend with two brilliant doctors, Mm -hmm. a lot of associates that came within that, but two brilliant doctors that never stopped wanting to help the patients. You know, I'll never forget. I've heard so many doctors say, I'm too old. I'll just keep doing it the same way. Mm -hmm. And these guys bringing in all this equipment at 62 years old that they have to pay, paid a million dollars to learn. And yet they were still willing to fork out the money because it would be better for the patients to recoup from. And that impressed me. It impressed me to where I can honestly tell my patients, they're not looking at what's for the best for them. They're looking at what for what's the best for you. And so I can, you can honestly say that when you have somebody looking to the future, it's not how old they are, 
how, you know, when are they going to retire? It's about what works best. You know, we could keep doing it this way and it's a horrible recuperation, or we could add this new way and it's going to cost us some money to invest in, but the patients are going to be able to recuperate a lot faster. And they were always willing to go that route. And I love that. And so I, I love seeing the doctors. I have a, a new oral surgeon I'm working with on Maui and she just got out of the army and she, you know, do you know, I've helped her way more than I probably should, <laughs> but I love her determination to serve her people. And so for me, I'm going to be there to help you because you are looking out what's the best for your people, not what's the best for this doctor. And so I, I've, was able to help her get her Medicare, her Medicaid, her all of her contracts in order, just because she was wanting to medical bill for her patients. So we were, I was able to help her. And I find that as an honor because those are the people that you want to help. Absolutely. That have the best interests of, of everyone at heart. Absolutely. Any obstacles that you've had in your life that you would like to share uh, that you're proud of that you've overcome? Obstacles. Yes. Oh, so many, <laughs> so many. I mean, there, you know, a lot of people say, you know, you were married, then you got divorced and your the one stigma was your kids will never go to college. I was married seven and a half years. We got divorced. My husband and I now have been married for almost 31 years. Um, he raised my three kids. We lost three babies, but you know what? We, we were okay. He, he was okay. After the last one, I said, I, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. All three of our girls went to college. Wow. Congratulations. And it's not really our, my obstacle, but it's like that stigma ob obstacle, you know, that you hear all the time that, you know, divorced kids are never going to do make any. And I can say my kids have never asked me for a dollar. Mm -hmm. They probably have more money than I do. I don't even know, but they probably do. <laughs> but Mary, MJ, do you know they bought houses three and four minutes away from my house? Oh, now, now that's a compliment, you know. That the obstacle of you're not a close family and I didn't have a close family and I really wanted to not, I wanted that obstacle to get broken. I truly did. You know, there's lots of professional obstacles I think we all could come up with, but as a personal obstacle, like, I talk to my, my brothers and sisters maybe once every 10 years. Wow. I didn't want that for my kids. And so I can tell you my kids talk to each other every day. They bug the fire out of me every day. <laughs> I mean, they do, but I love it. My grandkids, my 10-year-old granddaughter says, Grandma, I can, I can come over to your house anytime I know the garage code. <laughs> that to me means the, the world. world. Of course. And to have the, I, I mean, my grandkids spend one night a week with me and it is an amazing thing when you don't let what you get told about your life stop you from having what you want. I wanted a close family. I think I have a close family. Which is outstanding. Good for you. It's all about Everything that happens to us is about the leadership that we have with inside us and the decisions that we make, the choices that we make every day. And you just made a choice that that wasn't the way it was going to be. So congratulations. That's phenomenal. Today is my middle daughter's 35th birthday. Now, hard to believe she's 35. 
I know, I know. It goes by awfully fast, doesn't it? Having a new grandbaby, I, I can tell you, I, I said the same thing to my daughter and I said, oh my gosh, just enjoy it because it just goes by so fast. Yes, I can't imagine, you know, I, so, you know, I think about my, my granddaughter wanted, wants to be, because she's surrounded by medical, she's surrounded by dentistry. You know what she wants to be? She wants to be a dentist for dogs in my practice. So she wants it to be a combined practice for pets and for people. Very good. <laughs> and I thought that, you know, she, that takes some imagination, but that's what happens when you surround your kids with what, don't hide what you're doing in the practice I mean, I remember when we had a type one diabetic and his A1C is at, was at 12 and he was completely disheveled. And I was explaining to my granddaughter that this, this man needs our help and, and things like that. And after nine months, his A1C went down to seven and to, and I was trying to tell my granddaughter, remember how I told you his hair was all out of place and he, he looked like he was always dirty. And, and she's like, yeah. And I said, he looks so good. And the doctor said his health is so much better. And she was like, wow, just because you did that stuff in his mouth. And I said, yes. I said, we got rid of the bad bugs in his mouth and it helped the rest of his body get better. And that yeah. made an impression on a, on a little mind. I think she was six at the time, but we have to not think about what I mean, I, I go back to what impression are you leaving on your kids? What impression are you leaving on your grandkids? I might even go further. What impression are you leaving on somebody that looks at you? Because you have somebody looking at you, whether you think so or not, whether it be at school, whether it be in your practice, there is somebody watching you to see how you're going to react to a situation. And they're going to, so either you're going to teach them the good way or you're going to teach them the bad way mm -hmm. and you don't even know it. Mm -hmm. And so always remember that there's somebody watching you and you will actually do better. I used to tell my team because the hardest thing is, is when you're at a practice, you get yelled at by a patient and then you have to answer the phone. That's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to disassociate between one. So each of my team had pictures of their family or whatever they loved on their phone, just a small picture, because it whatever would make you smile before you picked up that phone will change the outcome of that conversation. And Absolutely. so I did that and I did it for myself too. So it wasn't just a, I'm gonna tell you to do it, I did it and it changed. I had a picture of my husband on my phone and every time I picked up the phone, I was smiling. And so I want to share that because I think it's important that we just don't tell somebody something that if it's, if it's really important that we're the ones doing it as well. Absolutely. Now, Lori, you sound, you know, so confident as a woman. Now, is that something that you've always had your entire life? No. <laughs> and that's normally the case. So I, I, that's why I asked the question. When my husband and I first got married, I was so shy. I wouldn't even talk to people at church. He put, he put a stigma on it. He said, I had to talk to five people before I could leave. And I'm like, that's not fair. You know, I don't want to talk to anybody. And so then I said, okay, if they come up to me while I'm sitting in this pew, right? 
And he's like, no, 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 you got to get up. And I was like, Ugh. and then I was like, okay, why do I hate this so much? Why do I not like to talk to people? And I think it was, there was a day, a defining moment at the practice. So Michael was always my, Dr. Cohen, I always used for, okay, this is what I want to do. What do you think? In my, in business, this is, this is how I want to approach this. What do you think? But Dr. Gottlieb was all my, was my emotional contact. So if I didn't know, okay, this is a situation, was that me? Did I cause the problem? So I went to him and I said, how, how do I make a connection with the people? Because I'm friendly, but there's not a connection. And he told me something that changed my life. He said, even you have to get out of your head, your perception and get into your head, whatever they say is real. And I went, okay, how do you do that? He said, think about it. He said, whatever's in your head is your perception, but acknowledge whatever they say as real. And I started doing that. And I started to realize that the reason the connection wasn't there was because of my attitude. My attitude was, this is what I know. This is the reality of the situation and invalidating how they felt about it. And once I could do that, it was an amazing, the transformation was amazing. I think right after that, Dr. Cohen asked me to speak to the study club. And so I can see where that transformation took place was when I started to acknowledge that the, the reality can be different than what I know. And it's not that either one of them is wrong. It's that we all perceive things differently. And so it was, it took that to get me to say, you know what, I do know what I know, but somebody's perception is going to be different and I'm okay with that. And that's what it took to get me that confidence to be able to present, even though I knew that they might be hearing something I didn't really say. That's hard, but I, I was okay with it because I, I realized that it, it wasn't that I did say it, it was their perception of what they heard. And I had to be okay with explaining that or understanding what they were feeling because of what I said. And so that made that for me was what my turning confidence because 30 years ago, you would not see somebody talking on a podcast at all. Well, you know, it's two totally different people, right? Because I never would have expected that you were so shy ever, even meeting you, you know, for the first time in at Jumpstart, I never would have expected that you would tell me that you were a shy person. And I, and I learned so much from other people and just, you know, I think sometimes we, we want to speak and I've really had to slow down and, and listen and not listen in that not talk, but actually not talk and hear with more than your ears. And I really did that with a lot of our patients as well. Um, amazing stories, amazing stories. I just, whether they're old or young, the connection was amazing because I wanted to be present 
and I wanted to hear their perception because what is what are they going to take home? They're not going to take home what I thought. They're going to take home what they thought. And so I had to change my what my way of thinking instead of saying, well, that's what I said. Say, okay, tell me what, what you understood about this. So when I did a treatment conference, I had to turn it around. I had to not say, do you have any questions? I had to say, so if you had to tell me what procedure you were having, how would you tell me? And that was the way I was able to start connecting with my patients. And it gave me the confidence to be able to explain medical billing. And medical billing is not an easy thing to explain. And I, you know, we talk about that at Jumpstart about giving them the fire hose and, and hosing them down. And, and it's really hard not to, but I've really learned to, to try to give them one thing they can take. And if they have one thing down, then we can branch out from there instead of saying, okay, these are all the things you're going to try next week when you go to practice. You're going to try this, this is. Instead, I, I say, tell me three things that you think you could start working on. Of all the things we've talked about, and I, I list them, tell me three things that you want to start. Because it's not about what I can do. It's about what you can do. Well, especially when they walk out the door and life happens, right? You've got to see what what is a priority in their mind, not a, what a priority is in your mind. Right. So if I can just get them to start billing their cone beans, that's victory to me. I'm okay with that, you know, because if they can do that consistently, then they're going to figure the rest out. It's not about, you know, well, you're not getting $10,000 procedures covered. That's not what it's about. It's starting to figure out what works for your practice. Every practice is different. And I don't have a scheme, a, 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 this is how, what you have to do because every practice is different. And I want to address what the doctor wants to see covered first. And from there we can grow it, but don't pick 10 things, pick one, start with one. And I think that it started with one when I gave a lecture to Seattle Study Club, that was, that was my one. That was my, I like this, I liked to see that light bulb go on and I want more. And it, and it wasn't that I want more for me, it's I want more to help them. I want them to be able to, to produce for their doctors the way I could produce for mine. And it's been just a joy. I um, Some of my team will say, do you know what city you're in? And I'm like, nope, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> That's It's true and I don't look at it as tiring because it's actually rejuvenating for me to be able to share what you could do within your practice. I think a lot of times we get a lot of the no-nos, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I think medical billing gives us a broader range because, you know, you, we talk about gingivectomies. How many times are they covered in dentistry? Hardly at all. Do you know there's a gingivectomy code in medical? Had no idea. So again, why, what is it caused by? There's a lot of medications that cause hyperplasia or hypoplasia within the tissue. Well, you have to, you have to get rid of it. So a lot of things that could be a helpful benefit to an office. I mean, that's what we're all about. We just want to find the way to help you best. And I'm just so glad I hooked up with a team that has the same vision. 
We just, I told them a long time ago, actually, I told them before I even got started working with them, I said, I'm not going to sell anything. I'm not a salesman. I don't pretend to be. I don't want to be. I want to help educate. From there, if they, and this has been proven in our favor, because if they need us, they know we're here. It's not that we want, we don't believe that we're for everybody. I know a lot of People that sell softwares and stuff like that say we can do it. Well, we can't. We can't. We can follow up your claims, but we cannot make sure, tell you that 100% of your claims are going to get paid and more, nobody's ever going to do that at our price, at, at where, where we're at. You might get it at others, but we're not going to do that. I'm sorry. It's not going to work. But I can tell you that we're going to give you every in and out that we can think of. If there's a way to appeal it, we're going to tell you we can appeal it. Um, and so I think there's a difference in making sure that um, the limitation or I'm not going to promise you the moon, but I'm also not going to sell you stuff. <laughs> well, it is very apparent. It is very apparent that your passion is just overwhelming with this industry. So it's amazing what you have been able to do. So thank you so much. Well, I just love dentistry. I, I never thought that this would be I mean, perio is my love, and so many people have that problem. Did you know, MJ, there's 23 pages of medications that cause xerostomia, and not just prescription. We're talking over-the-counter medications that are causing it, and we just don't realize it, and that's not a patient, that's not a dental problem. That's a medical problem. We have a dental solution but it's a medical problem. I just wish everyone could get that in their head. You know, you're, you're not gonna be a millionaire tomorrow, but could you find one? One thing that you're not gonna get covered in dental anyway. Find the one thing that you'd like to see if you can get some coverage for. And from there, you can figure out the rest. Absolutely. Well, Laurie, thank you so much for this really frank conversation about <laughs> medical coding. Obviously, I, I know that there's somebody in the audience out there that really is going to take this seriously and probably reach out to you at some point because, you know, with all of the changes that have happened in our industry over this past year, 2020, obviously people are looking for different ways to bring revenue into their homes. So thank you so much. We hire medical billers from home all the time. So we will be doubling our staff by mid next year. Um, we have medical billers all over the U.S. I have one out by you in New Hampshire. Uh, so, you know, the goal is we get them a Wii phone and they're able to call on the phone that still has a recorded call that doesn't come from theirs. And, and you know, you can do part time. And believe it or not, it's just a great vein. If somebody would rather work nights than days, you know, all that is possible. Absolutely. So. Well, thank you so much, Lori. And so great to see you again. So great to know that you're feeling better and all is well and, and things are good at home. So I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.